Tandem Nomads, episode 93. Tell me honestly, how comfortable are you with the topics related to money? And do you find yourself sometimes saying things like, I'm not sure I can charge for this? Or, I'm not sure there's a lot of people who want to pay for my services. Hello, Nomad Nation. I am your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a marketing and business coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Tandem Nomads is the entrepreneurship platform to help expat partners turn their dual career challenges into a successful, portable business. I will go into more details regarding this topic during this episode, but in case you're looking for a way to build your own portable business, make sure to go to the webpage of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 93, if you want to sign up to the free webinar that is coming up on the 12th of April 2018, where you can discover how you can find the right business idea for you. To already prepare you with the idea of starting your own business, but also if you already have a business, I thought that would be super important to tackle some of the blockages that I know has been preventing so many people from thriving in what they do and what they have to offer to the world, which are the money blockages. This episode is a very, very special episode because it is a quite unusual one as it's not an interview and it's not a solo episode. It is a combined and joined podcast episode with somebody that I highly respect, a professional that I highly respect that I brought in here to discuss the five lies that we tell ourselves when talking about money. So I brought to you in this episode Sunday Bean. So for all of you who have been listening to Tandem Nomads for a while, you know by now who is Sunday Bean. But if you don't, Sunday Bean is a great uh, solution-oriented coach interculturalist and the podcast host of the expat happy hour so this podcast show will be recorded on both our podcasts tandem nomads and expat happy hour that we will be jointly sharing together and you will know why in just a short while so let's dive dive into the five lies that you might be telling yourself when thinking about making money so Amel, we promised to hop on each other's podcasts and talk about something that is kind of a dirty word for some people, and that's money, right? Yay, dirty. <laughs> dirty word, money. Uh, for some people, it is. And for others, um, they have different feelings about it. So I'm really curious for you. I know you work with a lot of expat mm-hmm. partners too. How, what do you think? What's your client's relationship with money? Um, so my my experience with money has started even with myself, I have to be honest with you. It's just the fear of charging too much or the fear of being responsible once we get people's money in our hands. And mm-hmm. I see it happening with my clients now too. So I am completely aware of, the, of this challenge. And I think it's important for us, and I guess this is why we're here together today, to actually understand where these blockages come from. I think that's the first thing, being aware about where, why do we think that way? And what are the lies that we tell each other to ourselves um, 
on our relationship with money. And I think in order to fix those blockages, we need to do that work. And I'm very excited to start this with you today because I think by just outlining some of the major lies we see people telling to themselves, we might hopefully help you who are listening figure out which lie you're telling yourself and, uh, and how you could deal with it. I told, you know what? I, same journey. Like I didn't even realize I had money crap until, <laughs> until I confronted it. Right. So I, from, I agree with you that for me, my process was um, really understanding why, why did I get stuck around money and where'd it come from? Um, you know, how far back do I have to go to really understand it? So that's, yeah, as we said, that's part of the reason why we're on the phone together today uh, and to share with everybody who's listening. Here are some lies we've, we've either believed ourselves or we see our clients believing. Yeah. So do you want to start with one? What's one that you see that's really big? Oh, okay. So one that comes up a lot and that's huge for me. It makes me react <laughs> in my body <laughs> is when I hear, when I hear, I don't want to make money. And for me, that's a huge lie we, start, we say to ourselves. Right. And the one thing, there's so many reasons I see behind it, but honestly, as expat partners, especially for expat partners, we're so used to do so much for free. And, um, and I think that's, as soon as we start asking for money, we have the feeling that we're cheating or something. Or um, that it's like selfish or greedy, you yeah. know? You make me think about all the times, um, you know, I've worked with people who are the PTA president, like the head of the parent association. They don't, no one ever gets paid and they have a massive contribution to the international school system and the community. And I've never seen it, a paid position. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Is it going to change? Is it that conversation starting? I, I don't know. Honestly, um, I, oh, I would love to see it change because I look at all the, it makes me mad when I, when I hear that, because it's like, are you kidding me? You're expecting someone to dedicate 20, 30 hours of their day mm -hmm. for free, which is an absolute value for our entire community. It makes me mad. And I'm not trying to bash international schools. I know it's a budget thing, <laughs> but I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. Yeah, definitely. But to be honest, at the end of the day, it's also, let's, I'm, okay, this is going to be a harsh one too. Mm -hmm. It's also our responsibility as expert partners for having let people accept, um, for having accepted to do this job for free for so long. Mm -hmm. We give the habit to people to use our talents for free. And um, I think that's something, a lie that we should really face. If you have ever said to yourself out there, I don't want to make money. I really want you to think about it. Is it true? Do you really don't want to make money or you just got used to giving your talents for free? I think that's a very important question to ask yourself, but I don't know what you would add to that Sunday. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a couple of things going on here with the, I don't want to make money. Maybe if, why not? Does it feel icky? Does it feel greedy? Does it feel selfish? Right. And then, and I think it really connects with what you were saying is, we've been in a cultural context where you should be selfless and serve without question. And I love that idea of being selfless and serving, but to a point where you are not, um, where you're feeling bitter <laughs> and you're feeling taken advantage of and not respected. I think that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think, I do think that um, I also kind of think there's something else going on. Like, um, 
where people, when they say that money and they don't want to make money, it's like, I kind of want to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, you know, if you, if you start putting, it's safe to say, I do this um, from my heart um, and people can choose to accept it or not. And it's scarier to say, I'm going to do this and there's a value attached to it. And in exchange for the value I'm giving you, I expect value back and that's money. So I think, I think it's, I think it ties to stuff that's really kind of deep where people want to stay safe and comfortable. Definitely. Yeah. It's the fear. I always think that it's a fear of taking responsibility. At the end of the day, we have the feeling that we're more responsible if we ask for money, but you're actually already responsible if you don't ask for money and Mm -hmm. you do it anyways. You see what I mean? Money just like creates a kind of like, um, 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 an illusion that you're more responsible if you get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe that even when you do something for free, it's not, you're not doing less somehow mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. free. And actually what I realized from my experience, the less I asked for money, the more I would do. That's mm-hmm. the crazy thing about it. I don't know. Like it's not because it's free that you're going to work less. No, that's not true. You see? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I know there are people listening right now going, oh, tell me about it. Right. I just think of all these selfless volunteers that give and give and give and give and give and give. In fact, I think because you work for free, you, you work more because if you were um, being, if you were paying for their hours of work, you would, you would be very careful about how much you asked of someone. Exactly. The other thing I think is um, that I see with my partners is that I don't want to make money is because their partners are making enough money to meet the family's needs. It's like they say it's not worth me making money, right? So why bother? If I can't make the same salary as my partner, why would I bother making money? And that I feel isn't very helpful, right? It's like if I can't make the salary of a managing director or whatever the partner might be doing, um, then I shouldn't pursue something that feels in alignment with my skills and abilities. I think that's something that's really hard um, for people. And, and I don't want to say, I, I mean, we say it's a lie. It's like an excuse that they're using to, to not do what you want. And it sounds really harsh when I say that. Uh, and I don't mean it like that at all. What I'm saying is what does what your partner earns have anything to do with the value that you give and what you get in exchange of that, right? They shouldn't be connected. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also to not try to compete. I'm not sure a lot of expert partners try to compete with our partners directly, but in a way, making money is not necessarily making the same amount of money. But I would also like to invite um, expert partners to think of actually making the same kind of money. <laughs> you see what I mean? Because that's the also opposite mindset that I see. It's okay if I just make a little bit of money on the side and not allowing ourselves to actually dream big. Yeah. And this is something that I see a lot. So allow yourself to be competitive. It's okay, you know, but the, the goal of being competitive is not to be, to be um, competing against your partner, but actually allowing yourself to believe in yourself and dream big and think that you are capable. Mm-hmm. Who tells you you can't actually make the kind of same kind of money as your partner? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You're, I mean, what you're basically saying, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. It's like, sorry, folks, we need to look at this in a new way. We need to think about it differently. And um, I love that. Yeah. 
I mean, why not dream big? And this mm-hmm. is one thing that I really want to invite all my clients when I work with them. It's okay to start carefully, step-by-step. Step. I always say start baby steps. It's very important to not get overwhelmed. And there's so much happening in our lives, but it doesn't forbid you from having a big vision. Right. And and that vision the money that you will earn will allow you to actually reach that purpose or big vision that you're, you're thinking about. Right. Your relationship with money, we'll talk about it more later, I guess, but you have to think about what that money will help you do, all the good that you could do with that money. If you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference, that money will help you do that. And actually, yeah. even as an NGO, you do need to make money. For the NGO, for instance, to survive and work in a long term. So think big. That's what I actually want to say. Like, let's get comfortable with thinking big. Right. And you said, you said impact and that just ties in so much to when I, when I talk about purpose, um, how, when we look at money, you could replace the word money with value, right? Because money Mm -hmm. is just an exchange, of value for something of value, right? That's what it is. It's the currency we use, you know, to, to, to honor that. Um, and like you said, it's about what impact do you want to make and what kind of impact do you want to make in your family? What kind of flexibility do you want to create? What kind of freedom do you want to create? And money is, is just another word for value. Exactly. I love that. Money is just another thing for value. That's super important. So when you think about saying, I don't want to make money, that might also mean I don't want to make, give value. Right. And no one would say that, would they? You know, would you say that? I don't want to give value. You give value all the time. Money is just a way to measure that value providing and to actually help you give more value because the more resources you have, the more value you can give. Right. So you're now my brain is just popping here. (laughs) So basically when we say that, it's like, I don't want to be rewarded for adding value. I don't want to exchange value for value. And when we were talking before about people who say money isn't important to me, Mm -hmm. it's like saying, um, the value I add isn't important to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope we're going to pause here. I really hope that whoever is listening here gets the thing. If you're refra- mm-hmm. refusing to make money, you're actually denying the value you're giving. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, we're into something juicy. <laughs> So what else? So that was one, line number one. So yeah, so it's up. No, I don't know what you have as a line number two. What would be your line number two? Okay. So gosh, um, one of the things that I see with my clients is something where they say something like what I do, anyone can do. So it isn't worth money. And one of the things I find so interesting about that is when they say that to me, they say, oh, Sunday, you know, this is something that comes naturally to me or anybody can do this. So it isn't, no one's going to pay me for it. I I just sort of have like this deer stuck in a headlight stance for a moment because what I see that they don't see is that they've spent 10 years honing that craft. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they went and got educated in it and then trained in it or volunteered for it. One of my clients, amazing. One of my clients over the last 10 years has been training in um, Ayurvedic massage, Thai massage, um, Feng Shui, all these amazing practices all around the world. And of course, it's something that she says comes naturally, but she spent 10 
10 years developing these skills, right? Um, so I see that, that people, they mistake what they do well or what comes naturally for them. And they forget that they spent time honing the craft. Definitely. That's such a good point. You know, that not realizing the, the value that we are, we, that people are ready actually to pay for what we have. What do you see with your clients? I mean, do you see that happening as well? I see a lot of clients, especially when we get into the building the business plan and the business model saying that, oh, I'm going to need more proof before asking money for this. Mm. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. so I need more results to get to ask money for this. But, mm-hmm. but we realize that you have gotten those results or you all your career, you just ha- are framing your services in a different way. You see what yeah, I mean? Right. But the skill is already there. You don't need to prove it or like forever. And that's yeah. the thing is what I see is like dragging and dragging the time until you get to ask for money for what you do. Yeah. Um, I think at some point you just have to start somewhere. Maybe you don't want to charge right away a huge price. Start with something reasonable where you can test. And the more you get, uh, the more you get clients, the more you can increase your plot or your prices. Um, but definitely don't do and offer your services for free for too long. You might want to do it to, with one to five people max. But as soon as you get having proven your system, go ahead because you're doing a disservice to your clients for offering that for free. Because actually, if you when you offer something for free to people, they don't take, I can say for a fact, they don't actually use it to the best mm-hmm. they can because they got it for free and they don't value it. So think about that, that you're doing a disservice by not charging for what you have to offer because the people who need it will not value it the same way as if they had to pay for it and had to commit to use it the right. proper way. Well, I mean, it makes me think of uh, a few of my clients. I know women who have three master's degrees <laughs> just keep getting certified or, you know, education in things. Um, and it does tie in to, to a lot other deeper stuff. Like, you know, I'm not good enough as I am. Um, I have another client who thought about getting yet another certification. And I just said, stop. No, like you're good enough right now get started. And, and in fact, she was good enough and she was starting to get clients because she, she did take the risk and, and um, make the leap of faith in herself to say where I'm at right now, what I know already, and I've tested, it's a good business idea, um, has value and saves her thousands of dollars and years of additional certification and training um, yeah. for sure. So how did you convince her to do that shift? Well, I think what we do is we look at reality. We say, okay, what can you do? What are you good at? And we put it down, you know, in a black and white list, the years of experience or the skills that are there. Um, I also make my clients ask people that they care about, uh, maybe their partner, maybe their friends and have them give them feedback. So they have it right in front of them, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the things. And like you said, if you're still doubting yourself, then you try it, you test it out with two or three people, get feedback. Um, you know, as a coach, a lot of the coaches that I work with, they'll coach 10 clients for free before they start charging when they're leaving their training, going into professionalization of their skills Mm -hmm. so that they hone their craft. They get evidence of the value that they're offering to their clients and build up their comfort level with charging for it. 
Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's really, how can I say that the important, is it that we, how can we measure actually the worth of what we, we are and our skills? Mm -hmm. You, you charge for it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I mean, that's that simple. I, I, I'll just be really transparent. (laughs) I mean, when I was working in the corporate context, uh, back 2008, um, What's the corporate rate for a trainer like me, right? Okay, what's the standard? Wait a minute, how are my qualifications different from those standard trainers? Okay, I'll charge a little bit more. And you just charge for it. And you exactly. see, you, you, but it's grounded in evidence. It's not, bec- it's not like you charge for something that doesn't have value, not exorbitant pricing. It's yeah. about what's the value and you need, you need proof, yeah. you know? It's it's so it's so funny that you say that because it makes me think of one of the methods and discussion that I have with my clients when they do market research to figure out if there is a market for their product is uh, that I always tell them ask people to vote with their wallet, mm-hmm. not if would you like it, would you buy it? No, don't ask mm-hmm. people if they would buy something. Ask them to actually buy it, and right. that's how you will know if they will buy it. Yep, that's a big and difference. Absolutely, and I know you know. And this is where your money stuff comes up, right? If you're not clean on your value, if you're not clear on what you offer really delivers results for people, you're going to feel icky when, when you try to sell it. You have to find um, an exchange of value that feels good in your whole body, right? And you can charge too little and then you feel icky because you're giving something that doesn't feel fair. You're, you know what I mean? So it has to, and you will feel icky if you pay, if you charge too much and they don't get as much value from it, right? So it's got to feel really good for you and your client. And, And one thing I wanted to just emphasize for the listeners that you said is, um, people show up differently when they're invested. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're invested because you're charging them and you're saying this will bring you value. You're invested and they're invested too. And so the results are, are higher than if one side says I'm not invested. Definitely. Yeah. People will show up for sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. when you offer a free yoga class, mm-hmm. how many people show up? And when you, uh, you know, have a yoga class where people pay, see how many do that test. If for instance, you're a yoga yeah. teacher, do it for free, do it for money. And you'll see that the number of people who show up are those who are paid. Yeah. And who sticks <laughs> yeah. around, who sticks around yeah. regularly. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. So, so that was, oh, sorry, that was what I do. You know, what I do, anyone can do. Um, if, and it isn't worth money. Is there any other thing on that lie before we look at another one that you see from your Um, I think we covered pretty much a lot of this. Um, and I really love that when I hire, highlight one thing you said about that is that continuously looking for more training. I'm like, it's enough of training. I really like that you brought that up. Don't look for more, va- more proof of your value. Test your value by asking people to pay for it and you will know if you have value. Great. Yep. It's actually that simple. Yeah. So So tell, what is the third lie that you see? Okay. The third lie for me that I see very often is I can't sell or I don't like to sell Mm -hmm. or I don't know how to sell. Right. I get, or I'm, I'm not that the kind of person who can sell or I'm not the kind of person to market myself. Like there's a type of person. 
Yeah. So, so that's for me a big lie. It's a huge lie of not again wanting to take risks. <laughs> and um, and one thing I just want to say about that is the mind shift shift that we I think we should all have when we think about selling. For me, selling equal helping. Mm-hmm. You're not ripping off people unless you're really trying to scam them (laughs) if you're giving them value in exchange of money you're actually helping them to reach their goal to to get what they need and that's the thing you know when you're selling something you're selling something that people need and in market research we talk about finding the need and finding the need is measured by when you sell how many people pay for it so really think of it as helping people when you sell and and giving them a service. And, and it happened to me that people would just like be, I want to pay for this. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Because it has been so helpful. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Don't, don't think of a salesman like that person at the front of the door who just starts forcing you into something that you don't want because you will never do that if you don't want to sell. You're never going to force people into what they don't want. And people are big enough to know that they're not going to buy something they don't want from you. So think about it also as you're actually preventing them from having something they really need if you don't sell it to them. A disservice. I have to say that hits me to the core. And if I can share something really personal Mm -hmm. there, um, I, I, how should I say this? People might not see this if you follow, if you follow me online, but I, for a long time was probably the one who said, I'm not a salesperson. I can't sell. I don't want to sell that sort of thing. Cause when I, before, when I was working, I would do a large event and people would see me and they would ask me to do work. So I didn't have to do that. But once I went in an online space, I kind of was like, well, if I want clients, I have to get out there. And, um, I felt uncomfortable with selling. I felt you know, the whole thing, you know, it's icky. I feel, I don't want to be slimy. I don't want to push things, whatever. And I kind of realized if I don't learn how to sell, I'm not going to serve anybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I did, I, I think one thing people need to know is you can learn selling in terms of not like sell, like a used car salesman type of thing, but the, the, the skill of sharing what you do in a way that people understand the value. And um, I did that for myself. I invested in myself to learn how to do that. And still, even to this day, I'm like, I don't want to put this out there. I don't want to share this. I don't want to market this. I don't want to whatever. And then I have to say, Sunday, there's somebody out there who, who really needs this. So do this for her or do this for him. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what, how I force myself on days where I really don't want to share what my newest thing is. I always think of that person there who could use my help. Definitely. And you know what? You said two things that I really want to highlight here that I absolutely love. The first thing is that it's all about getting out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, and that's super important. The growth zone is the zone out of the comfort zone. You will never grow if you stay comfortable where you are. You will always stay there. If you're unhappy in your life mm-hmm. and you don't want to get out of your comfort zone and don't do anything about it, you'll always be unhappy. So mm-hmm. just, <laughs> that's important to get it straight. So when you talked about that, getting out of your comfort zone and in order to do that, also the second thing is learning. Selling mm-hmm. can be learned. Mm-hmm. It's not something that... Um, Some people have it naturally, it's true, but there are some easy techniques that can show you how to sell naturally without forcing, without having 
the feeling that you're too salesy. Actually, talking about that, I think that's the right moment to mention our program that is coming up very soon. Or we will talk about some of these techniques of how to to sell without being salesy. So that's really important. So um, should I wait until the end of this episode to start? You know, dropping the, the big news. <laughs> I think you need to hear live four and five before we, we have some. Very good. So I'm going to keep the suspense here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks for sharing that because I really think that was really great to information, get out of the comfort zone about selling and also that you can learn it. It's, mm-hmm. if you want to learn something, learn how to sell. Don't get a certificate. <laughs> right. And even if you see someone doing it and you think that they're doing a great job, doesn't mean that they're comfortable or that they didn't have to invest or that they're, they might be totally outside of their comfort zone and you don't know it. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So straightforward. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So what's the other lie? Um, the fourth lie? Well, the, I think people say to themselves, um, no one wants what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, or maybe they ask themselves, well, gosh, what if no one wants what I have to offer? Um, or they're scared if they do offer something, they're, they're going to do a bad job. Mm. I don't know. Do you see that with your clients? Yeah. It's like, what if I get paid and then screw up? Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. something, I think it's one of the biggest actually lies mm-hmm. um, or barriers to actually taking action and asking for money. So what, I'd rather do it for free than if I screw up, I don't, you know, I'm not accountable. <laughs> feels so much safer. Seriously, it does feel so much safer. And I think, you know, this is not what they say, but this is what I really think it comes down to is there's somewhere in there a thought of I could fail. Mm, exactly. Mm-hmm. The fear of failure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I also believe in the fear of success. Mm-hmm. I think those are both uh, aligned and um, uh, related in a way yeah. because I would put them in the family of fear of taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it at the beginning, but the fear of failure, I also had personally the fear of success in a way. I was like, mm-hmm. if I'm successful, then I have to continuously um, show up and I have to continuously, like the more I put the bar high, the higher I have to go, you know, in a way. So that's, oh yeah, you see what I mean? Because I'm pretty, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, because you can't just, you know, deliver once you have to deliver more than once and right now I get it you you've mentioned this to me before I didn't get it but now I I get it with every cell in my body like oh my (laughs) god if I like being a one-hit wonder has sort of some security in it like it was that one cool song yeah when you have to deliver a hit album every time that's that's probably why some of these rock stars end up uh overdosing because they (laughs) They buckle under the pressure. Um, but honestly, I mean, when I think about um, failures, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, failure is learning. And Steve Jobs, you know, always said about the most successful people are the ones who fail and learn from it. Mm-hmm. But sorry, it's true. Like, that's just the way we get better. It is. And we learn from the failures. I mean, I think I have learned more from my failures than from my wins mm-hmm. for some reason or... Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, and you know what? I want to take the example of products. When big companies launch products, can you, for example, just look at Apple? How many times Apple screwed up with their new apps or their new version of iPhone? Mm-hmm. It did not take them out of business. 
Mm-hmm. And you have raving fans who will always be there for them no matter what because of the value the company provides for them, even if they failed with this app or this version of their update. You see what I mean? Right. So failure is part, you have to embrace failure as part of growth and that if people really, if you really have good intentions and if your product has or service or whatever you have to offer Um, aligns with what people really need and you have focused more on building a relationship with people Mm -hmm. and and being authentic and being yourself, people will forgive you. And that's important to realize. You can screw up, maybe not. You know that expression that says, um, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. (laughs) You know, but um, I don't know if that's related exactly. But what I want to say is that people forgive you. You just are not allowed to do three times the same mistake. Right. You have to show as, that you're working on it. Exactly. Exactly. As long as you show that you are embracing your mistakes and acting on them. And for example, if you do a mistake that you do the right thing to correct it with a client mm-hmm. or to compensate in a way or another, or show that you are aware of your mistake, that's the worst mm-hmm. thing to do is to make a mistake. And because you're ashamed of it, pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Own and your I, mistakes. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that you do really well um, that I've, I've learned from you is that you provide safety for people, when they ask that question, like, what if no one wants what I want to offer? Just from a business perspective, you help them understand what does it take from a business perspective for you to discover whether it is something that people will pay for. So okay. that's something I think you do really well. Um, so we, just because our time is, yep. is that's true. Yeah. Here, we've got one more lie um, and I want to hear from you. Uh, what is lie number five? Um, so lie number five I don't want what people, um, I don't know what people would pay me for. And I think that's more about really looking for opportunities to make money, but you actually think that nobody will pay you for anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like using the, I don't know as an excuse to not find out. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. I think that's like, I don't think anybody will pay for any, I don't have anything. I would rephrase it actually saying, I don't have anything that people would pay for. Right. And that's a big lie. I don't know what, if you experienced that. Well, it goes back to the idea of value, doesn't it? Like, I don't have anything of value. That's just not true. Right? Yeah. It goes back to this idea of value. If you don't have anything that people will pay you for, remember money is value. That's an exchange of value. It's not true. And, um, and I see that a lot with my clients. They just do not... Um, allow themselves to see their skills and talents as valuable in, in to really own that so that they take the next step to find out how can I use these valuable skills and talents and knowledge yeah. to exchange value with someone else. So what would be, it was a long topic here, but what would be your like, how would you help your client figure that out? Well, what I love doing, it's super simple. It's not a high-tech approach at all. I basically have them write down what are their skills, talents, abilities. Sometimes we even literally do a, a CV or resume. Sometimes it's just brainstorming. And then I have their partner and their close friends also answer what are their skills, talents, and abilities. And what happens is you know, the person who's doing it for themselves will write down, you know, let's say six to 10, you know, ideas and their friends just inundate them with reinforcement on the same things or extend the list 
um, you know, massively. And it helps people have a wake up call. Like, oh, actually, <laughs> that is something valuable. That is something important. And since six people said it about me, I kind of have to believe it. That's so powerful. And I think that's part of your biggest, since we started working together and just talking, talking, it's been two years we've been talking, you and me. And that's one thing that I absolutely love when I listen to your podcast is those aha moments that you offer like, oh my God, I actually can do this. I actually <laughs> have this. I actually... Like all those lies we've been telling, I think you used this term once with me. I think it's the bullshit bucket. Sorry for the term. <laughs> Put that one in the bullshit bucket. Yes. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Uh, do I have to unscript now this episode? <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, so I really think, and talking about those bullshit buckets, mm-hmm. I think it's time now to talk about so. our special, special mm-hmm. product. So um, yes. we've been working now. I wouldn't say working because it was too fun. <laughs> it was an amazing process these two years talking with you. And I really want to thank you for having been on my journey since I started Tandem Nomads. And I think I've never interviewed somebody so many times in my podcast. <laughs> I could not get enough of you. Yeah. So um, I'm really happy that we have this great opportunity to help expert partners define actually what they could be paid for yep. and find their business idea. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell so us more exciting. about it? Yes. Tell me. So I'm excited too, because what's been going on for me in the background is I've been working with so many people on year of transformation to really find purpose and meaning in their life. And along the way, we discover that not everybody, but a portion of people really get clear on, I would like to earn money um, doing my own thing, using my skills and talents. And that's where I find it so exciting with what you and I are up to is helping people, um, complementing my viewpoint of looking at purpose and meaning and some of the lies we tell ourselves with your um, marketing and sales expertise to help you find that right idea that fits your life and business. And that's what you and I have ahead of us for the next at least three, four months, right? Oh, yeah. So the way it's going to work, we're going to, um, for all of you who's listening and who's interested in finding the right business idea for you, uh, and I insist on for you. That's the thing that we're, I think, where you and I come in together so well. You're so good at helping people figure out what they really, really want. And I think in my case, it's more about testing what you want, making sure that it makes money mm-hmm. <laughs> in a marketing yeah. perspective. Yep. So this is the power of what we have here together. I'm really excited about it. So we're going to start with a free webinar soon to give you a bit of an idea of how how to do that. And then if you want to join the program, uh, that's going to be uh, starting end of April mm-hmm. and uh, and ending by the end of August. So we'll give you all the details if you're interested. So, But first, we just want to invite you to join the free webinar that's going to be on the 12th of April, 2018, the year where this episode is launched on air. And if you happen to listen to this episode afterwards, you can still go to the webpage of this episode and we'll make sure to give you uh, any type of insights that can also help you find the right business idea for you. Anything else to add, Sunday? Well, I'm just, I want you to come check it out. There are 10 key steps that you need to know on how to find that business idea and we will walk you through them. Um, And if you have any questions, you can email me directly or Amel directly and we would love to hear from you. Definitely. So check that out. And I just want to real briefly summarize our five big lies that 
you want to make sure you're not giving yourself before even joining this webinar. <laughs> so number one, I don't want to make money. Number two, Sunday? What I do, anyone can do, it isn't worth money. The third lie is, uh, where's my third lie? <laughs> I can't sell. I can't sell. I can't sell. And the fourth lie? What if no one wants what I offer? Wow. And uh, the fifth lie, finally, I don't know what people would pay me for. So if you think that, make sure to join our webinar and to tackle those lies that are so important for you to join, to find, to turn your challenges into opportunities, as I say. So thank you, Sunday. That was wonderful to share this with you. It's been great. Thank, a shout out to your Nomad Nation. Thank you for um, sharing audiences today and loving to yeah. hear from all of you. This is fabulous. And I want to say hello to all the happy expat hour listeners. I'm sure that you're thriving listening to every episode of Sunday and I hope that you enjoyed this one. All right. Take care, everybody.